morning. It's Christmas. It's finally here. I have kids in my house and lots of presents, and I was out really late adding to the pile, and I separated everything in categories, and I thought, it's so nice to have kids. And my whole office is piled with toys, and, uh, you know, I'm so excited for Santa Claus to come because I still believe in Santa I still believe in Santa Claus, even though it's my, he uses my bank account to buy all the stuff. Um, but it's so great to be here on this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you, Jackson. That was quite the revival. I loved it. It was so beautiful. And, um, and uh, we, we have a new addition to our household. Uh, I did not carry a baby for nine months, so God graced us with my granddaughter that we'll be taking care of for a little while. So she's here. You guys can see her. And if we, if we were a philosophy that had a manger scene, I would have put her right there for you to see her because she's only 22 days old. Her name is Esty, and we are in love <laughs> so much um, and tired. Okay, tired. <laughs> very, very tired. But um, what I want to say about that before we begin the talk is I, I um, was sitting and thinking about this. Uh, her, the first few days of her life was very difficult. And, you know, through love's grace and embrace, she's doing wonderfully. And to ha what a beautiful thing to come out of a difficult situation. When we are traversing difficult situations, no matter how old you are, whether it's coming into the world or exiting it, love uh, blossoms something new in all of us. And uh, she is a new uh, gift to, from, by the universe to um, whoever uh, lives she touches uh, for the time that she's with us. So um, that's what I'm grateful for today. And I uh, would love to hear later after service what you're grateful for. Um, but I have a joke. And uh, I'm going to tell it, OK? Uh, so the preacher's five-year-old daughter noticed that her father passed um, paused and bowed his head a moment before starting his sermon. And one day she asked him why. And he said, well, honey, he began. He was very proud that his daughter was so observant of his messages. I'm asking the Lord to step in and, and help me preach a good sermon. And she said, Daddy, how come he doesn't answer it? <laughs> Hopefully, y'all don't say that when you leave here today. <laughs> you know, five-year-olds, they just say the darndest things. But the talk today is uh, a metaphysical interpretation of the um, Immaculate Conception, the birth of Jesus, the nativity scene, and each step through that. So it's not necessarily about Jesus. It's not, it, it is using that scenario that we... Um, you know, are brought up with. And as I researched this, I realized there were many of, of, of these types of births. And this is the one that I'm used to and the philosophy that we, ooh, I kind of tripped there. Um, the philosophy that we, you know, have a tendency to focus on. And so since it's the one that I know, it's easier for me to talk about. But there were more. There were four that night from my research um, from different philosophies. And the four-pointed star recognized that. And the wise men you know, if you're telling it traditionally, um, were, as, were uh, astrologers, and they knew that it was the birth, that he was Jesus, the baby Jesus as uh, his birth, that the gift that he was bringing is that he would eventually inhabit, the, it was his incarnation to inhabit the Christ consciousness. And that the consciousness, the Christ consciousness is love and wisdom. And so they knew that they wanted to be there to witness that. 
And here with, with Science of Mind, I wanted to take it in a little bit of a different perspective and go through those four steps um, and talk about the birth of a new idea. That from our point of view, um, everything that happens in the uh, world, in our manifested world, has a metaphysical interpretation of it. And so I wanted to share that with you today so that we could have a little bit of a different view because we've spent a lot of time talking about Christ and, and the teacher Jesus and planting the seeds and you know inhabiting that consciousness. And so I'm just going to take it back to a little basic uh, today just, just for us to kind of seed some new beginnings as we move into January and know that uh, that seed definitely is you. And, you know, we've talked even about what can get in the way. We've talked about um, what, what, in, what prevents us from moving forward on our paths. We've talked about the tools that we can use to get there. And today we're just going to, like I said, take it back to the basics and just go over a few things. So. Um, but first, I do have a quote from Ernest Holmes because I really wanted to understand, um, you know, how I could bring his, uh, what Ernest, some of the things that Ernest Holmes has said into this uh, metaphysical interpretation. So the quote for the day is that the whole of life from the moment you are born to the moment you die is a process of learning to release, to love, and to respond. You are discovering your own divinity. And this divinity is the truth in you, the everlasting you, the immortal you. This quote, it emphasizes the ongoing process of self-discovery, the recognition of our divinity, the importance that we feel within ourselves is, we even talked about that. Um, you know, we all feel a self of sense, well, let's back it up, a sense of self-importance. And we can start to recognize the ego self-importance and the uh, self-importance of I am enough, I belong, I have value, I have feelings, I am a person. And often we run away from that um, in, in, in lieu of allowing other people uh, to in lieu of uh, identifying our own feelings and being comfortable with them and letting that birth a new existence for us, we often resort to um, caring more about other people's feelings than we care about our own. And then we can easily hide in shame and guilt. And I know I, I've done that. We all were human. It's the human experience. So today we're just going to kind of move. How can we move from that, stand in our own power with a lack of ego, have a self-importance from love and wisdom and birth a new idea of yourself. So as we embark on this metaphysical exploration, we're going to draw inspiration from the story of Jesus. And the point one of this talk is the Annunciation. Now, uh, for us, it would be the seed of the divine idea. So in Christianity, it would be the Annunciation for us, the seed of a divine idea. In the metaphysical realm, the Annunciation represents the moment of divine inspiration. Isn't that beautiful? The moment of divine inspiration. Uh, you know, as we're traversing difficult things in our life, I, I'm trying to lose that word. As we are traversing things that make me uncomfortable <laughs> and I am learning to listen to that intuition inside of myself, I can always tell when it's a Tracy idea 
because it's harder. I have to put more work in. I'm trying to make things work. I'm trying to move all the pieces. And I can tell when it's an inspired idea because things fall into place. And I still have to take action, right? And so I still have to sit, become in tuned, and I still have to um, shut the Tracy mind down, the little mind. And, and often it comes as an insight or a revelation of something that I could not even have possibly imagined as a way through something. And so what's important is that, I don't, have you ever woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, that is a good idea. I got that. And spirit is like, write it down, write it down. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll remember it when I wake up in the morning. And then I get up and I'm like, what was that? What? And I'm trying to piece it back together. And it's so funny because, you know, what happens is our mind gets a hold of it and it just kind of kinks it. And it prevents us from seeing it because it doesn't fully trust in the idea yet. The mind is suspicious. The mind worries. The mind has fear. The mind doubts. And inspiration says, yes, go that way. That divine idea is waiting for you. The birth of your new consciousness is just beyond that no. So that is for us is the Annunciation. That a part of us is the um, representation of Mary and that we are birthing something new as a receptive soul. It symbolizes the capacity to conceive and receive a new idea. Isn't that beautiful? To conceive and receive a new idea. I love that. I like when I get those insights, and now I'm starting to journal them as I become a little more disciplined in my personality. I'm not a whole lot disciplined in my personality yet. And so I was, I was talking to my teacher, Tom, and, and I said, um, I totally get it now. I totally know why you want me to write things down. It gets it from here to here to here. And when I forget it, I can go back and read it. I can allow it to lead me. And I said, I also see that I lacked the discipline to do that, even though I told you it was a good idea, and I know it was a good idea. Tracy absolutely did not want to do it. <laughs> and he said, we often do things when we know they have value. And we often say things when we haven't realized the value, meaning we tell other people to do it, but we haven't done it yet. And so I will tell you, I am not perfect at it yet, and I have one page in my journal, but I'm getting better because I want to birth a new idea. And that has a lot to do with what we do here. You know, being connected to come up with talk ideas and being connected to uh, help our church grow from this beautiful space that it, it is in now to into the future and to bring those ideas so that spirit can use this body mind to plant something into your heart. And in turn, planting that karmic seed with you, you return it to me when I get to talk to you because I do learn so much from each of you, and I am very grateful for that. So just as Mary has accepted Angel's message that she was going to give birth, we can open ourselves to the whispers of inspiration, allowing the seeds to take root in our secret garden and your secret place of the utmost high. That is my favorite thing when I think about my connection to the divine is the secret place of the utmost high. Doesn't that sound beautiful? And it, it makes me want to go home and make an altar with flowers and water and, um, you know, it makes me want to sit there and, and just bask in the sacred place of the utmost high. 
and that place isn't really out there, although we try to recreate it, right, with centers and altars and through family, because everything has a mental equivalent, right? And so we, a community, are a mental equivalent for the idea that we want to know ourselves more. And because we wanted to gather as a community and have a place to go with like-minded people. And someone at some point, like Ernest Holmes, birthed a new idea. He had an enunciation. Part, uh, point two is the journey to Bethlehem, nurturing the new idea. The journey to Bethlehem becomes our metaphysical path of nurturing and gestation. Bethlehem, meaning the house of bread, represents the fertile ground where ideas can grow. Just like our sign, right? We plant the idea, it's buried in the soil, and we're supposed to let it go. But if you're like me, I keep peeking, you know? I'm always like digging that flower up. Have you grown yet? Where's the seed? I don't see it. But when we plant it in the seed, in the soil, and we have faith, and we walk away from it, then we, uh, we know as our faith grows, uh, so does our trust, and right? So I read recently by Mother Mary, she said your faith is equal to your worry. So how do you know when you're out of faith? You're in worry. And as you learn more faith, the worry dwindles. And my friend Atreya, he was a beautiful teacher, and he said to me one time when we were talking, he's like, why fear? If you know God as yourself, and you know the wholeness of God, and you know the love of God, then where does fear present itself? Only in our minds, right? And so I love that when I think about fear. And typically when I'm in fear, Tracy's involved. When, I, when I'm in fear, I don't think it's going to go the way I think it should go. When I'm in fear, I want to move all the pieces so I can avoid my feelings. And even worse, that I don't, uh, that I can avoid yours. Because what's really hard for me is when I disappoint somebody else, I want to make it all better for you. And what, I, what I've learned recently through my own life is that it's okay to, for you to feel and it's okay for me to feel. Because if we don't get past those feelings, the birthing and the nurturing cannot happen right? And it's so painful sometimes because it depends on the life that you had. And if you were taught to people please, or um, you want someone to think well of you, or, you know, all of these personality ideations come to the surface. And what these teachings tell us and what these teachings show us is how to look at that, how to give your attention to the faith and not the problem, to the seed and not the flower. We plant, we nurture, we let it grow. We give it space, we bless it, and then we allow the transformation to happen, like my sparkly coat. Right? <laughs> um, and, and then we, we move to point four, the star of Bethlehem. I think this is my favorite path, that part, is the star of Bethlehem is a guide on our path. We have the four-pointed star at the birth and it was said to have been so bright, the brightest light that anyone could have possibly imagined. And that it was a healing light. And it was said to be representative of the light that you are. We often misrepresent that this physical reality is our true reality, but it's not. 
It is a mental equivalent of spirit desiring to know itself better and becoming a person. And when you become a person, then you have another person, you have interactions, you have conflict, you have love, you have growth, right? So just like we are planting seeds in the soil, so is consciousness at a higher level. And we are representative of it. And because we are it, we do the same process in the same way. And we have cognition and the ability to choose. And our most powerful thing that we have is our attention. Where you put your attention is what grows. So if you put it in a negative mindset, you will probably see more of that because you always get what you're looking for. When you buy a red car, when you want to go buy a red car, I <clears throat> there was one, excuse me. There was, uh, I was looking for a car before I bought mine, and I saw this candy apple charger thing. I was going through some stuff. I wanted to have a fast car. And, and I was like, my kids were gone, and I'm like, that car is beautiful. And I just saw that car everywhere I went because my attention was on it. So wherever you place your attention is what grows in your life. And we often lose sight of that when things go wrong and we want to go out. And we forget to come back in and look at ourselves and realize that the stem of discontent is guilt, shame, fear, and worry. So all of the things that we go through in our life, we have this guiding star that shines so bright because that's who you are. I think there's a song by Atlantic Star that goes like that. Um, and it, it just wants to show you the way. But we're even though we're not dual, it appears that we are because the mind is often going in this direction and the light is always going in this direction and it reflects on you and it comes back to me and then this is where we grow. And this is what helps us have faith in the seed that we've planted. And this is what's beautiful about our philosophy is that we have all of these tools to teach us how to move from our personhood into the isness, into the consciousness and the revelation of the Christ consciousness where there's only that light. That the person is still there, but we don't give attention to it anymore. Right? So every great teacher I know tells me, oh, no, the person's still here. I just don't, it's not my, it's not drawing my attention. I am the light. I move as the light. The light guides me. It serves as a metaphysical sense, our representation of our inner guidance and intuition. And the more attention we give it, the more we become accustomed to it, and the more it guides us, and the more we trust it. So we have spent eons, if you believe in reincarnation, I, I personally do, but we've had lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of giving the uh, physical world our attention. So it, when we arrive in a place like this, at a time like this in history, uh, where people are, you know, this uh, becoming woke, quote unquote, or awakening, um, children are being born with higher consciousnesses. Is that a word, consciousnesses? They're being born with a higher conscience. Um, Okay, you get the point, right? That word, okay. Um, we, we that have traversed the path a little bit, you know, we just need a few more tools. And when you arrive here, you are ripe and ready for the picking, for a good teaching to water your seed, to open you up, to get you to look at what is hanging you up. And uh, with this uh, guiding light, again, the, the alternate of it is the person gets a hold of it. So we really have to be careful 
um, when we're balancing and following that intuition. And you can check that by um, really understanding who it serves your idea. But this can work for, I want a new house, I want better relationships, I want a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job, and all of those things are a-okay because you are spirit creating a new idea. And why would spirit want you here and create a physical reality if he didn't want you to enjoy, he, it, the, want you to enjoy it and, uh, and the discomfort is always pointing you back home. It's just a road back home. It's the turn of a mindset. It's, and it can be difficult. I don't think if this physical reality was super easy and uh, we had no conflict, there would be nothing to turn us back home. There would be no reason to go within. There would be nothing uh, that we, we, we would just kind of be hanging out, right? And so I understand that life can be quite difficult. But I also understand I have met many people that have turned the corner. But my interpretation of your life as difficult is none of my business, really. Because we talked a little bit about this, about my granddaughter and other people that go through very challenging situations. Their soul knows what they need to turn them to the guiding light, to turn them back home to that connection within themselves. So as we move to, to the, uh, um, the last part of that is the birthing of a new idea, and that's taking action. That is bringing it, uh, letting it reveal itself to you, writing it in the book, um, pondering it, and then saying, okay, universe, you've given me this new idea. I'm ready to take action. Who is going to show up to support me? And the minute you step into that faith, you'll recognize its equal opponent of worry, right? Because the minute you want something, have you ever noticed the minute you want something? What, what arises immediately is, I'm not going to get it. How's it going to come? Where's it going to come from? Who's going to support me, right? What if they don't like me? What if I don't get the job? What if I'm not enough? So the counter to your guiding light is, I'm not enough. And I want you to say today, uh, as we close here in a few minutes, I am that I am, and that is enough. Can you say that with me? I am that I am, and that is enough. I am that I am, and that is enough. Now, I heard that from the teacher, Bashar. I just kind of follow him, and I think he's a very interesting fellow. But he said, if you say that to yourself five times every day when you wake up, your life will change. And I'm like, bet. Okay, we're going to try that. And he was right. It does. It really works. It brings a sense of peace that you are enough. And what's happened to me is uh, I have relationships. can be difficult like everyone else. And what I recognize is how I was playing small how I was feeling not enough and I and 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 what and this other person in my life they they that I just wanted them always to feel better never really thinking about myself because I was a little Catholic girl that taught everyone is more important than me and you should be nice and and you should you know make sure everyone else is okay before you make sure you're okay and I had no idea how that was playing out in my relationships over and over and over again until they all kept showing up one by one. And I would fix one, another one would pop up. And it was like playing mock-a-mole, mock mole you know, hitting the things. And I realized, okay, there's something for me here. And through the birth of this beautiful baby and the relationships that it possesses, I realized it's okay for you to stand up and go, I am a person too. 
I have feelings about this too. I have ideas about this too, and that's okay. And as soon as I said that, a liberation broke loose, a freedom, a pep in my step, as it were, and the arrogance and the manipulation and all of that fell away. And, um, and this beautiful conversation took place between me and this other person, and I just was astounded that it worked. <laughs> right? And my teacher said, now you better write that down because you know uh, it'll come back and it's going to come back a little bit harder and it tests our resolve and it did and I fell back into the old idea and then I went back to the new idea and I fell back to the old idea and I went back to the new idea. But one thing for sure that I was able to say to myself when we're traversing a difficult path and the new idea is birthing within you is I am that I am and that is enough. If you can just remember that, it will take you as a tool to the other side. And even if you mess it all up, <laughs> even if you get it wrong, even if you make the other person really mad, even if you get really mad, it doesn't matter because you're trying. It doesn't matter because you're birthing a new idea of yourself. It doesn't matter because you matter, right? And the only thing that can come from that, if you approach it with love and kindness, is love and kindness. And this is what the story stands for for me. So as we reflect on the metaphysical journey of the birth of Jesus and the diverse stories across all traditions, May we recognize the profound wisdom embedded in these timeless narratives, not necessarily the story that we've been told or that religion tells, but what it means metaphysically to us. And hold that into your heart when life gets challenging, because it will, um, and it births that new idea in you, and it comes forth uh, individually into the collective consciousness, and that we tr and it helps us to transcend um, cultural differences, and you bring your little peace to the world. Because within each one of us, a potential to conceive, nurture, and manifest, it just really brings us to love, to a healing transformation in our lives. And then trust grows. Because how can you know anything works without a direct experience of it? You must directly experience it, to know it, to use it, to apply it. And then it just happens naturally in your cosmic body, and that's when life seems to appear to become easier. And that was what we'll close with today. So much. Thank you so much. Namaskaram. Merry Christmas.